Hello and welcome into NCBI's Technology Podcast. I'm Stuart Lawler. Great to be back with you once again. This is episode number 51 for August 2016. Thank you, as always, for downloading and subscribing to our monthly technology podcast. And I do hope you're managing to enjoy some of the fine weather that we're experiencing over in Ireland uh, and in the last couple of weeks. Now, stay with us this month. We're with you for just under 70 minutes because I'll be speaking with Andrea Giorino, who has designed a game called Invisible Puzzle, available on iOS. Eric Damery visited NCBI on the 22nd of July, and we'll hear some excerpts from his seminar. And finally, Martin Lawler is introducing us to the Milestone MP3 player. That's all coming up on this month's edition of NCBI's Technology Podcast. Starting us off this month, I know lots of people are getting into mobile games uh, on your iPhone or indeed Android device or, or tablets or whatever you're using. And there's so many accessible games out there now. We've come across another one. In fact, we got a request into NCBI through our CEO, Chris White, from Andrea Giolino, who's in Italy and joins us on Skype. Andrea, welcome to our podcast. Hello. Hi, everyone. Very nice to have you. Thank you for taking time to talk to us today. Um, so, so this is a game, and, and I, by the way, I have, to, I have to say right off, I haven't tried it yet, but, but we're going to talk about that after your interview. This is a game that um, allows somebody to, to, to use, it's called the Invisible Puzzle, first of all, isn't that right? Yeah. Okay, and, and maybe before we talk about the game, this this uh, this product that you have now released on the App Store, and we're putting a link to the app on the show notes for this podcast, this came about as a result of a research project. Can you tell us a bit about that first? Yeah, sure. I can tell you something. Well, I actually am a PhD student from the Computer Science Department of the University of Milan, and here I'm doing research uh, with colleagues from the Everywhere Lab on uh, techniques to convey graphical information through sound. Uh, also, other, uh, other topics like um, uh, mobile assistive, assistive technologies, but now we're talking about invisible puzzles, so uh, we will focus on, uh, on, on this field. And the idea uh, behind the invisible puzzle uh, was born when uh, I was talking with uh, one of, the co- of my colleagues from, from my research group who is blind, and he shared with me the problems of exploring images because usually he relies on tactile drawings and other approaches, tactile maps, but those approaches are not always the best. Uh, For example, when you need to explore a tactile map, you may not have too much detail. Uh, When you explore a function drawing, you might not have too much uh, interactivity, so you don't have a way to ask for the um, the coordinates of the point you you are touch it, touching, so uh, we started thinking about a new way to convey graphical information through sound. And actually, this is not a, a new topic in research. There are there are many many um, solutions, like the voice project. I think it, there is an application on Android that can allow you to explore uh, images in real time through sound. But uh, what we thought is that. A lot of uh, the existing solutions need a lot of training before the user can become proficient with it. And so we thought, can we design something 
that can provide access to simple images with little training. And so we started working on the sonifications, uh, new sonifications uh, to explore images. And, and then we found the need to test those sonifications. So we thought it would be a good idea to create an application that gives you the required training and provides you with challenges, puzzles that you need to explore and that you need to uh, recognize and in a sequence with increasing difficulty. So we made the application, we tested it, a prototype, we tested it with some users and we said, okay, now this can be fun for a lot of people and can be useful for us because it can help us get data from uh, information, da usage data uh, from a lot of people, obviously in uh, an anonymous way. So we started developing Invisible Puzzle. We introduced some game elements like the stars and leaderboards and achievements, the integration with Game Center. And then the final application was, was ready and we tested it again and we published it on the App Store. All right. Now, j just before we maybe talk a bit about the app and, and how people will, will be using it, I, I'm interested to know, uh, you know, around the research because I'm totally blind, Andrea, and, and I, I certainly, and I think I've said it on this podca podcast before, I find maps horrendously difficult. I find shapes of any kind very difficult. My spatial concepts are really bad. And I used to think that was because I was born blind. Now I think it's probably to do with the fact that uh, I just don't have a good head for maps. But what, what did people say to you? Because it, this sounds like an interesting way to maybe get around that problem, to be relying instead on sound to give you some of that spatial information. Do, what, was the feedback interesting from the group of visually impaired people that you tested with? Well, the, the feedback was actually good because the idea is to map image features on sound. So, like... Uh, for example, uh, the user is allowed to explore an image with his finger. And while the user is touching a specific point of the image, some kind of feature from the image is sonified, is, is mapped in, in uh, sound. Like, for example, when you're touching uh, um, a black and white image and you touch a specific pixel that is white, you can map this information to a sound that is with a high pitch. So you hear a, a high-pitched sound when, whenever you touch a bright point in the image. Uh, similarly, when we touch a dark point in the image, you can hear something like a low-pitched sound. So this is a, a first example of mapping image information to sound. Uh, you know the point you are touching because of proprioception, and you have this way of using sound to understand the, the brightness of the point you are touching. So with a, little, with a little training, you can use this technique to learn how actually to explore an image. It will take time to explore the full image with such technique, but you can, uh, you can detect points, lines, follow paths on a map, uh, on a map sorry, and, and so on. So this, this is kind of the idea. Uh, obviously, the, this technique, this basic, basic technique, is one of the, the of those that we implemented in uh, Invisible Puzzle, but it's very time-consuming. So we started thinking a new techniques that may use audio spe specialization to support and speed up the process. But 
from the feedback we collected with, with um, users and from feedback from one of the designers who is part of our research group and he is blind, uh, we, you, you can manage to detect simple shapes but also complex objects. He has been able to uh, recognize the shape of a horse in one of our first tests. Wow, okay, I'm, I'm So this is, this is what's happening. Okay. And this is what happens in later uh, levels of, of Invisible Puzzles. Now, the, the, the Invisible Puzzle app, obviously, um, it, it's available for iOS. Uh, h- how is it interfacing with voiceover? Because I imagine there's lots of sound. Is it, is it recommended that you disable voiceover when you run it, or, or, or will, they, will, they, will they work together? They will work together. We designed the app to work uh, fully with voiceover. Uh, voiceover will help you navigate through um, element, uh, for example, when you need to answer, uh, when you need to navigate the main menu of the game, when you need to navigate between levels. But when you start from in the, in the, in the recognition task, when you have to explore the image, now, voiceover will stop and our technique, our sonification technique will, will bring in and, uh, and play sound. But everything is fully accessible through voiceover. Okay. So the app is available on the App Store. People can check it out. We'll have a, a, a link, as I say, on the show notes page here to bring you directly to the app if you want to choose that. Now, Andrea, I know you are gathering, you're, I mean, uh, first of all, you're, you're very interested that a lot of people will test this game, but you're also going to be gathering some feedback. Is that correct? Using the app uh, as people are playing it. Is that correct? Yeah, you're, you're correct. We, we are actually collecting some statistics from, uh, from, from the game. Uh, all the data is collected an- anonymously, so no personal data of users will be collected by us. But the idea is that we can collect data like the performance of the signification techniques that you will be using in the game, and this will support us, help us understand which one is the best technique with which parameters it works best, uh, if there are some issues, and it will drive uh, future research because uh, the technique we have been designing can be used to convey black and white images, shapes, and so on. But uh, with uh, some more research, we, we believe that it will be possible to convey also color, color information. There, there are some techniques that already do that, but they need a lot of training. So we will be working on some sol- kind of solution to provide uh, simple uh, information, like n- not all the range of colors, but with less training. This is what we want to do. But th- 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 I mean, the techniques that we developed for, for, for Invisible Puzzle are only a starting point. This is a very interesting field of research. It strikes me, Andrea, that, that, that something like this could be very useful if it, if it becomes uh, refined enough for somebody maybe going to, a, um, to an area for the first time and wanting to virtualize a route before they travel and wanting to just get a, a, a visual picture in their mind of the layout of the, of the streetscape. And, and if, if the audio can work reliably and if the sounds can work reliably and if people can can sort of interpret that, it could be very useful. Yeah, indeed, indeed. Um, actually, there are some prototypal solutions that already can support the exploration of uh, tactile maps uh, or um, maps of an area. And there is a project, it is called ATM Project, 
that is from one of uh, the co-authors of the signification techniques we are we are using that can provide this kind of support with tactile drawings and tactile maps. So this is indeed an interesting field of research and something will be out so sooner or later. Actually, we would like to create an application that may let you use the signification to explore uh, any image of your, of your choice. But this is still uh, kind of an idea. We will work on it later. The, the first point is to refine the signification technique, and then we can go on f and develop further. Okay, it sounds brilliant. Andrea, best of luck with it. It's always great to get new apps, particularly great to get new games, and uh, I think you'll be responsible for a lot of people staying up into the early hours playing this game over the next, <laughs> next few days. I hope so, I hope so. <laughs> so there'll be no um, sleep got when, by our podcast listeners. So um, thank you very much. And, and I know you'd, you, you're, I, I'm, well, I'm sure you'd be interested in people's feedback, wouldn't you? Yeah, yeah, we are extremely interested in people's feedback. So we, we would like, um, inside the application, there is a link uh, inside the um, uh, section, uh, the about section of the application that will allow users to write us an email. And we, we'd love to hear uh, about the experience of our users. Other than data, uh, it's very important for us to get some feedback about uh, the, the techniques, if some, some kind of if the sound uh, is pleasant or unpleasant, if there is something that we can improve. We are glad to to get feedback, and we are always working to improve our techniques and our, bring on our research. All right, Andrea, best of luck uh, with it. I hope we're going to hear from you again. Uh, but for the moment, thanks a million for talking to us. And thank you, thank you. Now you're listening to NCBI's Technology Podcast for August 2016. I do hope that you're enjoying the programme so far. And as always, if you've comments or suggestions or you'd like to get in touch with us or you'd like to indeed talk about something on the podcast or record something for us, that all-important email address, technologypodcast.ncbi.ie. Thank you to everybody uh, who has gotten in touch over the last month. It's always nice to get the emails from people. People often uh, phone in or, or meet people in NCBI and they say, listen to the podcast. So it's very nice to get your feedback. And as I say, technologypodcast at ncbi.ie is the address to use. Now, if you're still on Windows 7 or 8 or indeed 8.1, uh, you will have seen a lot of um, information in, in the media, certainly in the tech media over the last two or so weeks, warning people that the last day to upgrade was actually the 30th of July. And as we record this podcast at the very beginning of August, that uh, date obviously has passed. But but fear not, because if you have assistive technology, Microsoft are extending indefinitely the period uh, um, through which you can avail of the free upgrades. So if you haven't gone to Windows 10 yet, uh, you, you don't need to do it immediately. My feeling is that if you're on Windows 8 or 8.1, it's definitely worth going to Windows 10. And if your computer is running very well on Windows 7, and if it's a couple of years old, then you may need to think about it a little bit more. And we had Paul Trainer on before a couple of episodes back, and he talked a lot about Windows 10 and some of the new functionality. But if you're concerned or you have questions, it's always worth giving Paul a shout. And it's a good chance to remind you of the tech support number 1850 923060. Paul Trainer, who is really with 
within our organization here. He's the tech guru. Um, so he's very, always happy to speak to people at the end of the phone. Now, on Friday, the 22nd of July, we were delighted to host our friends from Freedom Scientific and Sight and Sound in NCBI. I talked about this on the last edition of our podcast. So many people were here. I think we had over 60 people in the, in the audience, in the room, and another 27 people tuned in to our audio stream of the event, which uh, Freedom Scientific very kindly, uh, kindly allowed us to broadcast. I know lots of people who attended in person and virtually, and even who didn't manage to attend, but who managed to get in touch, were able to pick up lots of bargains. And I know there was all sorts of huge reductions on things like JAWS and ZoomText, Magic, Fusion, and a whole range of hardware provided by Freedom Scientific and Sight and Sound. I hope you did get the bargain you were after, and uh, I hope it was a worthwhile experience for you. Now, we got a lot of requests from people who weren't able to attend to ask if we would be making a podcast of the event. We're not making a podcast of the whole event because it was uh, about two hours and ten minutes because Eric Damery is such a great presenter. But I am going to play you some excerpts on this edition of the podcast. Well, Eric Damery is Vice President of Software Product Management at VFO. That's the parent company group for Freedom Scientific and indeed AI Squared. Um, and Eric Damery, of course, this is his second time visiting NCBI. He was here in 2014. We had a wonderful presentation then with about 35 people. Obviously, we doubled the numbers this time and we're going to hear a couple of clips from Eric's presentation and the first thing I suppose the first thing that I know I was asked a lot before Freedom Scientific came and Eric was asked a lot at Site Village as well was why are you doing this why are we having all these amazing cut prices so Eric explained the reasoning behind it yesterday we were in Glasgow and someone asked me um, I, I can't remember exactly how the question was worded but it was something like Something must be really wrong for these prices to be coming out. What's the story? And so let me explain to you what's going on. Um, A a couple of years back, I ran across this program that Microsoft offers called Microsoft Office Use at Home. If you go Google that, Microsoft Office Use at Home, it'll take you to this web page that Microsoft has where employees of large organizations that use Microsoft Office. They can input their email address and they get access to Microsoft Office for nine dollars instead of having to pay hundred and twenty a year or hundred and fifty or whatever it is. They can buy a full version of Office for nine dollars to use at home or nine sterling I think here. And uh, I thought, you know, why are they doing this? And, and I talked to a few of the big organizations in the U.S., and a lot of the employees take advantage of it. And it helps the big organizations if the employee is using the same software at home that they use at work because they become more familiar with it and they can actually do their job better. So I think it's a win-win for the employees, for the employer, and Microsoft might not otherwise be selling it to that individual at home. So I modeled a program like that in the U.S. um, two years ago and introduced it to all the employees at the large organizations in the U.S. that have big licenses of JAWS that the staff use it at work. And I reached out and we found that a very good percentage of those individuals that didn't already have our products at home were now buying them and taking advantage of having them at home. So we started the JAWS for Windows Home Use program and then last year, a year ago, uh, 
at the National Federation of the Blind had their 75th anniversary for the convention for their organization. They had about uh, 27 or 2,800 registered attendees show up in Orlando, and I introduced the home use program for all registered attendees to be able to participate. And the response was great. We had about 700 people come by the booth and take advantage of it. Some of them had old versions of JAWS dating back 10, 15 years, and they bought upgrades for $50 to the current version and bought SMAs, and it was great. And this year we, we decided it was so good last year, we did it again, still in Orlando. They had their convention back in Orlando, and about 2,200 people attended, and still about 15 or 30, 15, 20 percent of the attendees came back by and bought back into the program. So those that hadn't been there the year before that did come took advantage of it. We also did the ACB convention. So about a month or six weeks ago, James contacted me and said, you know, why don't you come back over to Site Village and we'll introduce the program. And while you're here, why don't we go hit Glasgow and come to Dublin too? And I said, okay. So that's how we got this program rolled out to be able to take advantage of it here. Now, many people are familiar with the voice of Eric Damery. He's been on so many podcasts produced by Freedom Scientific and indeed many others, including our own, on a, on a couple of episodes. But you might wonder a little bit about Eric. Who is Eric Damery? Eric told us a bit about himself and then talked a little bit about some of the things he'll be covering during the seminar. A little bit about myself. My name again is Eric Damery. I'm the Vice President of Software Product Management. As I said, I came into the industry in 1994. My dad was a visually impaired uh, blinded veteran. He started to lose his vision around the age of 22 and by the time he was 50 he was uh, he was total and he was not computer literate. Um, when I grew up he listened to talking books on the little soft records and and a lot of cassette tapes. He loved to read uh, but he didn't learn Braille because he lost his vision over time. Um, so in 1993, somebody brought uh, a computer system to his house, his first computer system, and it had OpenBook software on it. Does anyone here used OpenBook before? Or Kurzweil 1000? Yeah. So OpenBook and Kurzweil are very compatible type, comparable type products. And so he got open book and a scanner, and I came over. He said, you know, Eric, he said, come to, to the house at delivering a computer, and you're the guy that knows all about computers. I didn't know anything about a computer. I, I took typing class in high school. I didn't know anything about computers, though. But I came over, and I saw this technology, and I saw the independence it could give somebody. Um, you know, for years, uh, my mother had been reading the mail as they would fight because he didn't like the way she read the mail. So he wanted the ability to read his own mail, and uh, I, I thought, this is great technology. I took the book home, I read it that night, it was very easy, and I became an expert in open book overnight. Um, and that's what led me to get interested in this business. And so I met Ted Henter, who was the guy that started Henter Joyce with his wife, and I joined them in January 94. There was uh, about nine of us back then and they had just started developing on the Windows product the end of 1992. We released it in January of 95. And my first job was sales. And uh, so I, before I figured I could go out and sell the product, I figured I had to have to understand it a little bit, so I learned how to use Windows, because I didn't know Windows back then. I, like I said, I really didn't use a computer. 
when I went to work for Ted, all I knew how to do was type because I had taken that typing class. And so I learned Windows using the JAWS screen reader. I used to take the computer home at night and I, without a monitor and I taught myself Windows driving it with a keyboard. And so, like I said, my presentations in the early days were to sighted people, to convince sighted people that you could do this stuff. It didn't work that great, but it worked. We were making progress and we've come a long way. So that's my history. Um, can I, I just like to try and get a sense for uh, who uses what and skill levels. So I'll ask a few questions if we can, just through a, some applause answer. Um, first of all, how many JAWS users do we have? So the, majority, so the majority of the room. And of the JAWS users, how many of you are actually on JAWS 17 at this point? Okay, so we got a few upgrades to sell today. <laughs> and of the JAWS users that we have, how many of you have used it for at least five years? Good, good, good. Okay, so we've got some skills in the room. Now, those of you who aren't JAWS users, you're sighted folks, are you people that are involved, if you're a sighted person, do you help uh, train or teach or uh, educate other folks that use the technology? Good, good, excellent. So I've got some tools to show you guys too, so pay attention, we'll talk about it. You know, the one thing I've always told the vision teachers though, is don't think you have to learn how to use this. You do not. You should not, because if you spend all your time trying to learn how to use this product, you're not going to spend time explaining to others what they should be trying to do in order to learn it. Uh, it takes a long time. How many of you, uh, how many of you, um, uh, have finished learning everything there is to know about JAWS. Good. I haven't either. I've been doing it a long time, but we never finish learning. It's constantly. And why is that? Because the screen reader evolves and the operating systems change and the applications and the browsers change. Everything is always evolving, so we have to learn new things all the time. So it never really stops. So the best thing to do if you're going to become very good with a screen reader is to first and foremost learn how to type. Typing is the key to the success of this technology. If you know your keyboard and know it well, as a matter of fact, if you get a computer with a very good keyboard and you get really good on it, don't give up that computer. Now that's the one thing. When I go shopping for a new computer, I spend all my time looking at keyboards and going out and trying them out, find out how's the spacing on it, what keys are available. Um, that's so important to really get skilled at because it's the key to driving Windows, it's the key to driving the screen reader. Um, when I used to explain this to sighted people in the beginning, I used to talk about how a sighted person when they sit down at a computer only has to really learn one thing and that's how to run an application. They know how to run Windows because there's this mouse thing and it literally points them in the direction of what they're supposed to do. It's all visual and they can see the whole screen. So all they really do is sit down and start to learn how to use Word. And they only learn as much as gets presented to them visually and they never really learn to do that much with it. The reality is most people don't use most of Word and they really don't understand it. A blind person has to know First and foremost, the operating system and all the basics of the operating system. How to open a start menu, how to select text, copy, cut, and paste. Uh, 
and shortcut keys to get to different applications, and most importantly, how to get out of trouble when you get into it. Has anyone ever used a computer and not gotten in trouble yet? We all do. So after they learn Windows, along the way, they're going to learn some things about the screen reader, but they also need to really learn the power of the screen reader. There are things in here today in the screen reader that we'll talk about that very few people will probably know about. Some of you will, but not everyone will. And those things in the screen reader can be very useful to you. And uh, I like you know people to be able to take advantage of it. How many of you have used the new JAWS command search feature that we put in? <laughs> Two. Excellent. When we're done, you'll all know how to use it. It's a powerful feature. Uh, it's very good utility. How many of you have you ever used the OCR feature? A few more. Good. The rest of you will all know about it when we're done here, and you'll want to take advantage of that feature because it's a very powerful. How many of you have ever opened up a PDF document before and heard empty document? So those of you who have had that happen should know about the OCR feature. That's why. Uh, so things happen to you when you use the computer and the screen reader can give you a utility to get out of it. Um, one of the features that we're going to spend a, a good deal of time on is something called smart navigation that I introduced in JAWS 17. How many of you have used the smart navigation? That's good, Stuart. I'm glad you're clapping. <laughs> Do you use it on a regular basis? Uh, no, no. I, I'm, and I'm not really sure how to use it properly, so I'll be Perfect. Sure. Now, Stuart is not the candidate that would use Smart Navigation because he's been using JAWS for so long, he's so stuck in his way that he hasn't looked past that <laughs> to figure out why I would use Smart I'm Navigation. Stuart, do you use an iPhone? Yes. Do you navigate on the iPhone with the right swipe all day long? Yes. He uses smart navigation on his iPhone. I think he'll use smart navigation on the computer because that's what it is. So I'll show that to you and we'll kind of go through it. I don't turn it on by default because if I did, those of you who have been using JAWS for a, for a few years, you would install that new version with smart navigation turned on and you'd call us up and say, hey, the new version's broken. I'm going back to the old version because it's different. So I'm going to show it to you how to turn it on, I'm going to explain it to you, and hopefully you'll go home and try this out. I really think it's a much more efficient way of using the internet. And for people who are going to be employed, um, as we go forward, more and more jobs are all going to web-based type applications. So you have to get very good on the internet. You have to be able to move around and navigate and understand. So I think it's really important that you take a look at this smart navigation. We'll also talk a bit about JAWS 18. Um, I'll cover a couple of the features that are coming out, explain a little bit about it. Timing-wise, let me explain how it works. And everybody says, JAWS 18, Ooh, you've already done 17 versions of this thing? So each year, and since about 1999 or 2000, every year in the fall, I release a new version. Um, and we started doing it with whole numbers. There was a while there where we were doing it with bits and pieces of numbers, and it just, I decided, no, we're going to go full numbers each year. And then after a full version comes out, there is updates that come out along the way. So if you have the SMA, then every year in early November, you would receive something in the mail from Sight and Sound um, that has the new version 
uh, in on the DVD. That's the paid-for version. And we're very committed to making sure that we always hit that date. So I work towards that as the year goes. So in early September, there'll be a new version that shows up on the web that everybody, everybody can install and run. If you have JAWS 17, you can actually use the 18 public beta that comes out in early September. And then at the end of, September, at the end of October, we do a final release, and at that point, if you don't have authorization for 18, if you haven't bought into the SMA program prior to the release, then you can download and install 18, but it runs as a demo. And then throughout the course of the year, we do updates that come out, and I try to make sure that we get something out. I try not to do it more than once a month. If we do it more than once a month, it's because something slipped, and I had to make a correction, so that's probably why you're seeing it. Um, we just had the last update, was it last week or the week before? Anyone recall? A couple of weeks yeah. ago? Yeah, so if you were running JAWS 17, when the update comes out, one morning when you turn on your computer and, and JAWS launches, right after that you'll probably hear that there's an update to JAWS 17 available for you, and those are free updates. So if you have 17, you can get that update. If you're running 17 as a demo, you're also told and you can get that update as well. Um, so we update it throughout the course of the year. There's one more update for JAWS 17 coming this summer. It'll be out in the next couple of weeks. Um, and it includes, uh, there's about 20 changes from support calls that had come in. We've made some adjustments, but the main thing is that we've added uh, something in Microsoft has provided to us a registry key which allows us to tell users um, of Windows 10 that if they do a Cortana search, don't launch the Edge browser. I don't know if any of you have noticed this, but whenever you go into the Start menu and type something to search on the Internet, it always forces you into the Edge browser, which is their new browser they came out with. The Edge browser is not yet accessible. Um, we are working with Microsoft to make that browser work, but it's gonna, it, it won't occur this year. Sometime next year, I think, we'll have that work done. And Microsoft has actually become quite cooperative <coughs> with us lately. Part of that's because of VFO, because we're a much bigger company now, AI Squared's with us, and uh, Microsoft is interested to make sure that all of this assistive technology works. But really, a big part of that is that Microsoft has heard from users around the world, and they've been talking to a lot of people. They've really got engaged with the assistive technology community. They found out from the users that they have assistive technology that they've invested years in and they know how to use it and they're comfortable with it and that's what they want to use. They don't want to hear that they can use the Edge browser and they can use Narrator. Narrator is not the screen reader that they've been using and they'd like it to work. So Microsoft is is working closely with us and I think it will continue to improve. And I still need to learn how to properly use smart navigation, although I have to say after the seminar, I was much more enthusiastic about it than I had been previously. Now, Eric talked, uh, and there has been a lot of talk even before Eric's arrival, about this new L Braille product. So what's it all about? I want to um, break away from talking about JAWS on the computer, on my computer for a minute, and talk about JAWS on another device uh, something called the L Braille. Uh, I don't think anyone other than a couple people in the front row that touched this earlier have actually had their hands on one of these before. So let me describe what it is. I've got a product called L Braille that came to us from Russia. This was made by a company called Alita Group. 
they're the distributor in Russia that represent the Freedom Scientific products over there. And what they've done is they took our Focus 14 Braille display, which is the keyboard and the Braille output for this device. So has anyone here got a Focus 14? One hand kind of sliding up over here in the corner from Stuart. Yes, so a Focus 14, I'll take it out of here so we can see it. For those of you who are sighted, you, uh, it's just a small Braille display that should come out of the device if I push the buttons right and pop it up. See, it, this is how well it's put in. It's not designed to come out. So a Focus 14 Braille display is very small. It's about six inches long and about two and a half, three inches deep and a little less than an inch high. It's got 14 cells on it and it's got a full Perkins keyboard and it's got some other buttons on the front edge to be able to pan and navigate. So it's like, has anyone seen a big 40 cell display or an 80 cell display? Well, it's the same thing. It's got everything that those have, including cursor routers, except it's real small. And the guy in Russia took this device and he designed a Windows 10 computer that this device could attach to and become one with. And so the L Braille is like a docking station. It's molded perfectly to contain one of these Braille displays. It even has little catches that work with the slots in the bottom of this thing to be able to hold it in place. It's got a mini USB plug on the side that plugs into the side of the Focus 14 Braille display to give it its power and to connect it to the computer. And it's got six buttons across the top that can do various functions like check how much uh, power you have left on your computer to tell you the date and time to put you into a menu system. Has anyone ever had JAWS lock up on them before and kind of stop working? This never happened to me, by the way, but <laughs> has anyone here ever had that happen? People tell me that happens once in a while. So there's a button on here that they push uh, twice quickly and it puts you into a self-voicing, self-brailing menu system that can allow you to restart JAWS or reboot the unit. So he's thought of everything. It's also got a SIM card slot on the top edge so you can drop a SIM card into this thing and use it for text messaging or phone calls. And it's got a USB 3 connection on the side so you can plug in a QWERTY keyboard and use a QWERTY keyboard to drive the device maybe back at home or you could plug in an external hard drive and keep information off on a hard drive if you wanted as well. And an SD slot that'll hold a 250 gigabyte SD card for storage. Inside it's got a 1.86 gigahertz processor, quad-core processor, and it's running on a, the board that's used is actually one of the boards that would be used on one of the small tablets. Like I had a venue tablet and it's running one of those. It's two gig of RAM and is uh, I think 64 gig of storage on board on the board in another card that's built in. Um, I think it's pretty robust. I think you would find that it's not bad for a portable computer. It's an excellent device and it's small, comes with a nice leather case and I know how much. I don't know yet. Uh, Sight and Sound is waiting to get some of these. They've had some on order now. 
and they're waiting to get an arrival in and I'm sure they'll post pricing when these are available. But as I've, and, and you'll have an opportunity if you really want to get your hands on this today, we'll, I'm going to stick around afterwards and it'll be here and you can come up and, and check it out and we'll answer questions about it. But this is, for the power users that I've talked to, they, they all say, this is the note taker they've been waiting for. What's good about it? It runs the full Windows 10 operating system. If you have a license of JAWS, you put your license of JAWS on here. If you want to put another screen reader on there with it, you can do that too. Um, and you can put Office 365 on it. You can, uh, all the applications that you might run on a regular computer will run on this thing as well. So it's a dynamite little note taker. So that's the L Braille. Earlier on, Eric mentioned smart navigation, and we found out that I had some difficulties using it or understanding it. So let's hear a little about how it works. Well, let's talk about smart navigation. I mentioned the iPhones. How many of you use an iPhone today? Mm -hmm. Good. So, so the most, most of the folks in here have one. So if you're navigating with voiceover on an iPhone and you right swipe, do you move by character? No. You move by element. You move by a block. You move from a prompt to a control. Or you might even move to the next paragraph, and then it will read that element to you. And so that's the idea with smart navigation, is to try and give you an opportunity to move by element. And I'll show you where you turn it on, because I'm going to go turn it off first, so we can, uh, I think I might still have it on. JAWS Professional. JAWS Professional. If you have the JAWS 17 program installed, if you go to the Help menu, Alt-H from the UI. Alt-H menu, Help menu, Training. And up arrow to the Startup Wizard. Check for update, update off Startup Wizard dot dot dot. You can down arrow in that Help menu, but it takes longer to get there. It's three up from the bottom. Leaving menus, JAWS Startup Wizard dialog, Speech Settings, Rate 67, Left. Now on the Startup Wizard, three screens in, you'll find it. Run JAWS Common Options, Smart Navigation Controls and Tables, three of three. So I'm going to turn it to off, which is the default, because I'm going to first go to the form I'm going to take you to on the web to show you how I'm going to talk about how it normally works, and then we'll turn it on and come back. Smart navigation controls, smart navigation off, one of three. Now, you're hearing some sounds on my computer that, if you listen carefully... Smart navigation, smart navigation off, one of three. I am always messing around with the speech and sounds manager thing, and I set up some some settings in my computer and I should have turned these off so that you would get your experience at home but I give it, this is one of those things I probably won't have time to go into speech and sounds manager but instead of hearing it have to tell me I'm on a radio button and that it's checked I use a sound to indicate that it's something that's checked and when it says it's one of three I always know it's a radio button and not a checkbox so I don't need it to tell me that either so I'm basically using JAWS's power and, and features the speech and sounds manager in this case to use a sound to give me an indication instead of having to talk so much. So this is something that's in everybody's jaws and you can do this. It's been around for about 10 years. Uh, how, has anyone here used speech and sounds manager much? Not much. But again, it's one of those things. If you do, um, if you're working in an application that's got lots of controls in it, uh, you can really cut down on how much speech you have to hear and you can get around much faster because you can listen to text while you're hearing a sound at the same time. It's kind of like listening to them in parallel instead of listening in serial and it will speed up the process. And you know, a little bit of 
increase in your ability to comprehend what you're working on a little bit at a time all over the place adds up to a lot of time so it makes you much more efficient all right so i leave that turned off Forms mode semi -auto, two, three. we also added something called semi-automatic for the forms mode this is not a new gun by the way <laughs> forms mode for those of you who don't use jaws uh, forms mode is the ability to type text while you're on a web page Normally when you land on a web page in a browser, there is no visible cursor. So if you don't have a screen reader running and you land on a web page and you press the down arrow, the page starts to move because there's no cursor on the first line that you're moving like in a document. Um, but if you move to where there's an edit field and you get a cursor there, you need to be able to insert text so you need to be able to type and do something. You have to go into forms mode to tell JAWS, I don't want you to move around the screen or move the screen around on me. I'm going to stay right in this control and enter some text. So you go into forms mode to enter the text. That's what that means. And by default, we're in auto. Forms mode auto, one free. Automatic forms mode. So whenever I arrow through a web page, if I reach an edit control, it'll automatically go into forms mode so I can start to type. So that's the default. I'm going to set it there. Verbosity settings. Twitter messages. And I'm done with this. I'm just going to enter to get out. Braille trap. Braille set. Jaws professional. And now I'm going to go to IE. Search box edit. TR Internet Explorer. Desktop app. Internet Explorer. So I, sometimes I go quick. I'll explain what I did. I hit the Windows key, opened up the start menu. I'm in Windows 10. I typed I-N-T-E-R, which is enough to get me to Internet Explorer on my start menu, and I press enter. To launch it. Internet Explorer, Freedom Scientific develops the highest quality. And I land on the Freedom Scientific homepage because I set that up to be the page that I land on when I get there. And I'm going to go to the favorites list. I have a, everybody has a favorites menu. Alta menu, favorites menu, add favorites. Dot, and dot, I dot. hit S for surfs up form because I saved this form on here. This, if you have a web page like a banking site or some web page that you're always having to go to, use the favorites list to make it easier to remember how to get there. As surfs up form, freedomscientific.com, leaving menus, new tab page, freedom scientific home page, the new web track sample call tracking zip. Now, this is a real simple form that's on our thing called surfs up, which is a, like a training site for the internet. If you're a JAWS user or a user of assistive technology and you want to start to learn how to do different things like navigate tables, fill out forms, uh, or just get around on a web page. We built this static website that we can use for training. Uh, it's very beneficial. Have, have people used our training material and gone to Surf's Up before? Anyone been out there? A couple of nods and hands, yeah. It's a great little site to be able to get some of the basics down. And we tell you the keystrokes to do it. That's what's so nice about it. If you read through the website, it kind of teaches you the keystrokes. And again, this is all about your knowledge. The more you know, the easier it is. If all you do is ever arrow on the web page, if that's all you ever do when you go to a website is arrow and tab, you're missing out because there's a lot better ways of getting around. All right, so I'll hit an H to go to the first heading. The new web track heading level one. Now, since I wasn't in an edit field, I wasn't in forms mode, when I hit the H, it didn't type an H, it just moved me. That's our navigational quick keys, right? Now I'll down arrow. Blank, online customer tracking system. So this is a form that you're supposed to fill out. Blank, contact information. Blank, first star. So first star, first is a prompt for first name. 
and star tells me it's one I'm supposed to fill out. I'll hit down arrow again. Edit. page. First name. This is a required field. Edit. So I landed in an edit control, and we heard the pop said that you're automatically put in forms mode, and I can type my name here. Or I can just press down arrow, and we'll hear a different pop, because we'll leave forms mode and go to the next control. Middle. Which is middle. Not, no star, not required. Edit. Middle edit. Middle initial. I'll down arrow again. Left star. And down arrow again. Edit. Last name. This is a required field. Edit. Phone. And I down arrow to get a phone. Now, first, middle, and last name, for those of you who are sighted, was all on one line. But it took me about seven down arrows to get through that line because each down arrow was a new piece of text that I had to arrow through. I'm going to go back up to first. Edit. Last star. Edit. Middle. Edit. First star. And if I hit a right arrow, where am I going to go? One character. So I'm on the F of first. If I move to the right. I. Ooh, I. I of first. R. R. S. T. So you move across text when you hit the right arrow. S. R. I. F. Okay. So that's different from a phone. If you think of the right arrow as a swipe, it's not moving by element, it's moving by character. All right? So now, remember what we just did. I'm going to go back out to JAWS. JAWS Professional. JAWS Professional. Help menu. Auto menu. Option. Braille dot dot dot. Whoops. Old age. Okay. Leaving menus. Menu. Help menu. Check. Update authorization dot dot. Startup wizard dot dot dot. By the way, that. Update authorization dot dot dot. If you buy the SMA today, after you buy it, Wait a few days, it'll get processed. Go to your help menu and choose update authorization, and it will update your authorization key on your computer, and in your about box, it would then show that you have the SMA. So that's how you update your authorization in the help menu, okay? Startup wizard dot dot dot. Leaving menus, JAWS startup wizard dialog. Now. Common options, smart navigation off, one of three. Smart navigation controls only, two of three. Smart navigation controls and tables, three of three. I'm going to set it to controls and tables. We may not dis d uh, demo tables today, but tables you'll really like. Uh, it makes a table feel like a spreadsheet. When you move inside of a table, if you're in smart navigation, you can use the arrow keys to move around cell by cell, and then press enter to drill around in a cell if you need to. But instead of holding down with the left hand, control, alt, and the arrow keys to get around inside of a table, single arrow keys will do it. It's much easier. Okay, and then Forms mode auto, one of three. we'll put it on semi, and I'll explain semi when we get there. Forms mode semi auto, two of three. Verbosity, braille trans, braille set, jaws professional. Now I'm going to alt tab back to our web page. The new web track sample call. And go to the top. The new web tracks. And hit an H. The new web track heading level one. And now I'll down arrow again. Blank. Online customer tracking system. Blank. Contact information. Now remember the last time when we went down, we, we hit first star, and that was it. Blank. First star edit, middle edit, last star edit. This time we got the whole line when we moved on to it. If I down arrow again. Blank. Phone edit, edit, edit. We moved right to that next line down there, phone with edit, edit, edit. Okay, so I'll go back up. Blank. First star edit, middle edit, last star edit. And if I hit a right arrow this time, instead of moving to the I. Edit. Middle. Edit. Last star. Edit. 
and notice it's not going into forms mode so we don't have to hear the pop 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 going on and off if you wanted to fill it out you would just press enter to fill it out because you're arrowing uh, or using navigational quick keys if I go back to the edit, middle edit first start if I hit an E first name this is a required field edit it moved to the edit field and it told me what it was but it didn't put me in forms mode middle edit middle initial okay so you can just keep navigating around with navigational quick keys and arrows you will not go into forms mode but if I go back to the beginning middle edit first start if I hit a tab key first name this is a required field edit notice the pop went off I went into forms mode so it assumes if you're tabbing to controls that you're going to fill it out so it'll put it in forms mode for you that's semi-automatic tabbing and pressing enter put it in forms mode but arrowing and navigational quick keys do not so it'll make it much faster a little less noisy as you're moving around if you learn it this way if you're a trainer and you're starting new people teach them with this smart navigation mode on turn it on it will really help them in the long run and for those of you who learned the old way if you start using this within a couple of days you'll be very comfortable I think and uh, it's a change and that's why we don't put it on by default but I think you really like it and last but by no means least on our whistle stop tour through Eric Damery's uh, presentation on July 22nd what's gonna happen in Jaws 18 how about Jaws 18 should we talk a little bit more about that all the four smartphone medic all the four so JAWS 18 again will be in public beta starting around the first week in September. It will release on or about October 28th. That's when we usually, that's the, uh, I think that's a Thursday and it's that Thursday is kind of my drop dead date. It might go a day earlier or a day earlier, you know, Tuesday or Wednesday, but Thursday I think will be the drop dead date. So that's when you'll expect to get it. If you haven't bought an SMA yet, if you haven't got 17 and you haven't got an SMA yet, then do it here today. It's going to save you in the long run because once 18 releases on October 28th, at that point, if you haven't got to 18, you have to buy an upgrade. And it would cost you even more than the SMA would cost you today. So take advantage of the SMA. You'll get 18 the end of the year. You'll get 19 the end of next year for less than the 100 sterling. So try and take advantage of that. Now, 18... Um, two other things I, I mentioned the um, touch changes that we're making two other changes I'm going to discuss and mention here today that I've talked about publicly there's some other things coming that we're not mentioning yet but the first thing if if you have a mouse uh, connected to your computer or you move your mouse pad around you can, magic one underline 2016, list item, not checked. you can get JAWS to read what's on the screen now when you move your mouse around. So we've added a talking mouse, something that we've never done before. Other screen readers had. Um, it won't be on by default, by the way, because the last thing you want as a blind user is to have somebody knocking your mouse or you touch your mouse and the thing moves on text and starts reading something that you don't understand what just happened. So we don't turn it on by default, but if you need it, and there's a way to turn it on and off in the layered commands, I think it's Windows key Please. E. E, mouse echo layer. Um, and then O probably for on or off. Oh. Yeah. So Windows key E 
for the mouse echo layer, and then you can toggle what it's going to do. Move by, read me the line as I move across it, read me the words as I move across, or the characters, uh, or the paragraphs, and you can turn it on and off. So you can do it right Please. in there. So I just turned it back on. So now, as I move my mouse to the lower right-hand corner of my screen, for those of you who uh, have pictured or, or visually can see a screen, in the lower right-hand corner, and now I'm going to start to slide my finger from right to left, slowly. See how hard it is to get to it? Maybe I didn't turn it back on because I'm not getting any speech. Let's try one more time. Space. E mouse echo layer off. Space. E mouse echo layer on. So I don't know why. Escape. All right, maybe that feature is not ready for prime time. <laughs> this was working before. Alt uh, Jaws Alt Let me go back to the. Windows M. Dropbox 6. My talking mouse went away. Oh, no, it didn't. Now it's back. Okay, so I'm going to go to the lower... See why a blind person doesn't want to do this with a mouse? <laughs> I'm not looking at the screen right now, so I'm with you. Fully charged left parent, 100% right parent button. Notification Chevron button. So I'm moving across my status bar. <clears throat> I think I figured out what might be different here. So when you move the mouse, as a blind user, you want it to instantly speak something that you hit and not pause. And I have a feeling that by default, what I just realized what's probably set up on here is that they've got a delay in the speech so that instead of reading as soon as you hit something, you have to hover over it before it speaks. As a blind person, you would never want that because you don't know that you've moved to something to hover over it. You need it to speak immediately when you get there. And if it does, it should work a little better. And I have a feeling I probably got this set so that it's hovering before it can speak and that's why I'm struggling to find things. Um, but anyway, why do we need a talking mouse? What benefit is it? For some blind users who create applications or are designing things, Understanding the relation of text and where it's located can be useful. Plus, as JAWS builds itself into magnification products, like today we're in Magic, we're going to make a much better talking mouse for Magic because now JAWS has it. And in the future, this talking mouse is going to make it to Zoom Text as well to improve that talking mouse there. The other feature that we're adding, hold the question one, one minute. The other feature that we're adding that everyone is going to benefit from is that when you install a new version of JAWS, if you have 17 and you then install 18 on the computer, 18 will recognize that you have 17 and it will say, would you like to use the settings that you've spent hours setting up in JAWS 17? Would you like to use those now in JAWS 18? And you'll say yes and boom, they're there. So you don't have to remember how you went in and set everything up, it'll bring it all in. Or you can also selectively choose settings that you've got and export them and share them with somebody else based on the application. So it's going to be a really nice import-export feature that every user should be able to take advantage of because it's automatically going to work. 
And so in the future, as you install new versions, it'll bring those settings in for you. So you don't have to go back and set them up. There you go. Exciting things to look forward to in JAWS 18. And I do hope you, if you weren't able to make the Freedom Scientific event, that you found those recordings useful. And even if you were, I mean, I certainly found because I was doing other things in the room while that presentation was on, including monitoring uh, our NCBI social media channels. But I certainly found listening to it again, I picked up on stuff that I just had missed the first time because clearly I'm not very good at multitasking. Um, But thank you to everybody who was able to make it. Thank you to those who were able to uh, join us on the stream. I hope you found it useful. And I do hope that we will be repeating these events in NCBI and not just with Freedom Scientific, by the way. It's a, it's a sort of a discussion we've been having internally for a while. We want to do more of these events. We want to get, you know, uh, manufacturers and developers, etc., to to come and speak to users. So, you know, watch this space because it's something that we are going to be doing more of in the future. You're listening to NCBI's Technology Podcast. Do hope you're enjoying our program so far this month. I'm sitting in NCBI, absolutely delighted once again to be joined by Martin Lawler, friend of the podcast, familiar voice. Martin, welcome back. Thank you very much, Stuart, for having me. Um, you, you know, you, you always have some something new and exciting to show us, uh, technology-wise. Um, you brought us the Smart Vision phone before. You've showed us the Blaze EZ. Today, you have something that, Certainly, I've been just looking at this thing. I want to go and buy it because I've been, uh, you know, traditionally somebody who keeps everything on their phone. So my phone is my audiobook player and my radio and obviously everything else. Um, and when I'm away on holidays, I'm using my phone all the time to read books. But lots of people like to have a separate device. And you've got, I think, one of the coolest devices I've seen for a long time. First of all, what's it called? It's called uh, the Milestone 312 Ace. Um, I know there's a family of milestones out there, but um, this is the newest one that Bones uh, brought out. Um, they're a company, I think, in Switzerland, and they make it. And um, Steve Nutt is selling it in computer room services. So this is a, a, a player uh, that's been designed for blind people, is that right? That's correct, yeah. Okay, so because it, it, it speaks, doesn't it? It speaks and it's got six buttons on it. Okay. Now, the device to me is, um, for anyone who's seen the Plex Talk, it's a little bit smaller than the Plex Talk, isn't it? Yeah, it is, yeah. And very, very incredibly light. Yeah, definitely. Um, it's half the size of the Plex Talk. Half, okay. Right. Six buttons and extremely clearly labelled. Yeah, and two two ounces in weight okay okay very good now let's just talk first of all about what features it has what's on it okay well you have an fm radio um you've got um, 12 gigs of internal memory it takes a 32 gig sd card and you can also buy software add-ons such as um, a calendar and um, you can also buy um, a color detector which um, tells you the color of uh, different things like your clothes and things like that. And um, it's also good for uh, recording, but the FM radio I find is great, but um, the speaker is really fantastic. Like the sound quality from the speaker, I think is just fantastic. How easy is it to get music onto this device? Very easy. All you do is hook it up to your computer and there's no um, folder structure. You can put anything on onto um, the internal SD card or into the internal memory. Okay. So, 
And, and, and just uh, speaking of memory, how, how much memory do you get with this device? Uh, you get 12 gigs of memory and you get an 8 gig SD card as well. So you can put additional, uh, yeah. you, can put, you can add on to you this additional storage. Yeah. And recording, um, you can, can you record in WAVE? You can, yeah. With if you, you have to use a, a microphone to record in wave. Um, it's it's got a mono speaker, but once you, if you use a, a microphone, it um, records in stereo. Okay, very good. Yeah. So so let's have a look at uh, how good it is, Martin. Can you give us a demo? I will. Yeah. So. Providing a GAA. That's the FM radio. The GAA Kits for Kids initiative, oh, and wow. I'm going to give you that's a couple of clues. So this is so we're listening to the radio at the moment. This, yeah. So okay. then you've got. Agenda. That's the calendar. Okay. Audio. Audio. That's right before dawn. That's the song you have on, so that's what you're listening to last time. That's an album. Yeah. That's up there. I've connected uh, the, the internal speaker, uh, speaker with it as well. And you've copied the music. Doesn't matter where the music is copied to. You said there's no structure. No structure. You can no folders. You can on create it folders. Uh, yeah, I created folders on it just to have them in order. But you can put it anywhere you want. Okay. Then I've got that's my music. So books. books. So audible. The complete stories of Sherlock Holmes. Unabridged. Oh part one. So just and then you just press the play button to play it. How do you get an Audible book onto that onto that this device? Is do you use the Audible manager? Yeah. So okay. You so so it picks up the device when you. Yeah, um, it picks up the device, but you have to download um, software first and for Bones devices, and okay. then then you have to activate uh, the, the Audible device, the, the SD card, and once yeah. you do that once, um, you don't have to do it again. Okay. Yeah. So you have a can, can you do things on this thing like for example tell how much battery is left can it, you can yeah, yeah I'll do that for you now books played so I'm holding One down second. the mode button to end which is the seven now the X button five minutes okay all seven now okay so tell you how long the complete the book. stories of Sherlock Holmes unabridged part one Arthur Conan Doyle battery fully charged oh very good mm. how, yeah. how, how long do you get from the battery. Uh, about 15 hours. Very good. And yeah. charging is just through the USB port, is that right? It is, yeah, yeah. You can, well, I've, it came with a charger as well, but you can charge it to USB as well. Okay, so you could plug it into your computer if you wanted to yeah. charging. Yeah. Okay, very good. And um, So it's, it's really a nifty little device. It's a great device. Are you, because I know you've explored a couple of these devices. You've explored the Plex Talk, the Victor Reader, yeah. Lazy Z, yeah. and now this. Yeah. What's your favourite so far? I, I still like the stream, but but for handiness, like when I if you're going out anywhere, all you do like I, I'd bring this because it's just so light. Yeah, and it's just very very easy to use. Six buttons. Can't go wrong with that. How much are these devices retailing at? Um, for this one is two hundred and sixty pounds. And you can buy it from the computer room service. Yeah, you That's, can. Uh, yeah, Steve Nutt's company. Yeah, okay. and there's going to be um, updates as well, so they're going to. You're going to have internet radio on this after a while and other things as well. Okay, it's we'll going to have Wi-Fi. We'll put a shortcut to, or we'll put a link rather to Steve's website on the for the show notes for this podcast episode. Um, in, in, have you done much recording with it? Have you have you exper experimented with it in the field? I know you go to sessions and stuff. Um, like that. I've I haven't. I've recorded it with uh, Miriam um, when she was out with my um, doing giving me lessons with the laptop and stuff so I've recorded some bits and pieces with her and I found it really good now it records in mono but you can use a mic and then it'll record in stereo but I think the the speaker is just fantastic 
Certainly the quality from it sounds great. I love the idea of there being a radio. Sometimes it's nice when you're somewhere to explore. I, I certainly enjoy doing this anyway, to explore what the local, you know, frequencies what 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 uh, what stations they have? You can't really do that with the phone. Yeah. No, and so. you can and you can record from the from the radio as well. Yeah, brilliant, fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I must say it's something I enjoy doing, just flicking around. So it's nice to have that. So it's called the Milestone. What's the what's the Milestone three hundred and twelve Ace? Milestone three one two Ace. Yeah. Available from the computer room services. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Okay, Martin. Thanks again for introducing Thank you very to much, another George. piece of technology. I, I have no doubt you're going to be back in in the very near future. Um, but for the for the moment, Martin, thanks a million. Thanks very much, Stuart. Many thanks to Martin Lawler there for uh, introducing us to that Milestone MP3 player. It's really nice. And as I said on that piece, I'm one of these people who puts everything on my phone and, and, and I haven't carried an MP3 player for ages. But there have been occasions when I've been away and, and I do an awful lot of reading when I go on holidays. You know, you get this low battery at, at I don't know, two o'clock in the afternoon. So there, there is a, a definite case, use case for an MP3 player, dedicated MP3 player that you might use. And of course, as I said there as well, I love flicking around the FM band to find out what is available. Now, hope you've enjoyed our podcast. Thanks to our contributors this month. That's uh, and- Andrea Giolino, uh, Eric Damery, and of course, Martin Lawler with the Milestone MP3 player. Join us in September when we're going to have a user's perspective of Andrea Giolino's game. We'll find out how good it really is. And we're back to school and back to work with the very welcome return of Sharon Lyons, who has more shortcuts. Until September, this is Stuart Lawler saying have a great month enjoy whatever of the summer is remaining and talk to you then bye bye